Dr. Brittany Wolford, PhD in psychology and counselor at the Center for Shared Insight, joins us on this week's podcast to talk about attachment theory and sexuality and how each attachment style uses sex in a relationship. She has a published journal article that is totally worth reading called Interest in Partners Orgasm, Sex Differences and Relationships with Attachment Strategies. Dr. Wolford believes that the fear of rejection and trying to abide by how society says you should be in relationships is what holds us back from finding lasting love. Her mission is to help people create healthy relationships. And with this, not only are we impacting our individual or couple client in her perspective, she is also influencing who her clients are in a relationship with. Another value Dr. Wolford holds high is social justice and advocating for her clients to be in authentic relationships, even if this doesn't fit with stereotypical relationships. If her message resonates with you today, please don't hesitate to reach out to her at the centerforsharedinsight.com or on Instagram at centerforsharedinsightpc. Thank you all so, so much for the support over the last 18 months of hosting the podcast. I'm so thrilled with all of the feedback that we've received um, from every expert guest, fans of the podcast, and then <laughs> those of our followers and listeners who reach out via Instagram and message us and say, because of that episode, we found this type of help, or we found that expert's message to be really impactful in our own lives. And that's why we do the podcast on a weekly basis. This community is growing each and every week, and I cannot express how blessed I am to be the facilitator and leader of this community. So please don't hesitate to reach out by Instagram or Facebook or email with questions um, or comments or feedback for us. As we head into the new year, 2020 is going to be a big year for the podcast. We're kind of redirecting the focus of the podcast to include more real life daters, um, more expert guests, as well as um, a lot more Enneagram, which is something I'm a huge fan of, as well as um, taking your feedback for select topics that you want to know all about. So don't hesitate with your questions. Without further delay, let's get into the, today's episode with Dr. Brittany Wolford. Hey guys, I'm so honored to be in the office of the Center for Shared Insight with Dr. Brittany Wolford. How are you today? I'm doing well. Awesome. So what is it about attachment style and how is it that you decided that uh, being a doctor of psychology was your path and your mission in life? Yeah, so I'm a weirdo where like seventh grade was when I found out this is what I wanted to do. Uh, I had like a friend, Julie and Drew, who were destined to be together, but not, and it was just terrible. Uh, stay together, break up, stay so together, break up. I don't up. even think it even actually started, because this was seventh grade. I don't think anything actually started, but it was like the end of their world. Uh, but like, I'm still really good friends with Julie, but, uh, and I tell her this story, but um. And afterwards, she's like, that was great, because like, I was helping out, helping her out with that. And she's like, that was great. You should do that as a job. And I was like, huh, okay. Now here I am, some odd years later, yep. still doing it. Um, and then I grew up in a military family, and I grew up um, around military bases. And I think also, like, family structures and relationships. So not just romantic, but, like, family and friendship when you have people moving in and out every three years, like, what that looks like. And my parents are gone for so many months. Um, and I just found myself being, like, super curious of, like, how do relationships actually work. Mm -hmm. 
and you've talked about this a lot, too, like, we're never really taught how to be in healthy relationships. Um, and so, again, just complete, utter nerd, like, even in undergrad, every class I took, I would make all, like, the essays you're required to write about relationships. Um, <laughs> so it's, like, everything all the time. Um, and then when I was actually looking for grad schools, you had to, like, pick something, and I was really begrudging that. And then I found attachment theory, and I was like, oh, huh, that, like, fits all of my experiences of what I've learned about relationships. Sure. It yeah. kind of lit up the light bulb for you. Yeah, yeah. And then I think with sex, like, one, if you're going to do couples therapy, like, you have to be super comfortable talking about sex, like, because you're going to be entering into people's intimate sex lives. You're going to be invited in there. Um, and if you're uncomfortable about it, it's not just going to make your clients uncomfortable about it. Um, and then, actually, it was, like, doing research on military sexual trauma and looking into attachment and just, you would think attachment and sex would be so much research on it, but there's really not. Just on sexuality in general, because it's so hard to get funding for, like, this topic, mm -hmm. right? Um, and then there's the other piece of being, like, female, and I was recognizing when I do research on this, like, presentations and things like that, there would just be a lot of weird glances and really inappropriate questions, and um, so I also saw it as, like, an advocacy piece that I wanted to like be able to be a part of. Mm -hmm. It was a really long-winded story. No, I, I, I love hearing why my expert guests are passionate about what they do. Mm -hmm. And we wanted to cover like a lot of different ways that attachment styles impact life. So today, we're like going to dive all in on attachment style and sexuality and, yeah. and sex with our partner. Yeah. So if you're, if you're okay with that, let's just jump right in with a quote. So we talked, if you're watching this on YouTube, I'm looking at the camera, we talked on Friday and I pulled out this quote, I don't know if it was me that said it, I think it was you that said it. I don't remember saying it, <laughs> it was just a combination, both of us. And it goes like this, if we don't have healthy attachments, we won't have healthy sex. Yeah. And I want to start there. Yeah. Like, what does that mean to you? Uh, I think that, like, what we talked about, you're gonna use sex as a way for connection or disconnection based on some of your attachment and beliefs about relationships and yourself and others. Like, am I good? Are they good? And if I'm not feeling good about myself, I'm going to use it to make myself feel better. Okay. If I don't trust them, I'm going to make sure I feel good and, like, distance myself with sex. And you're talking about an avoidant attachment style there. Yeah, yeah. And if you're secure and you have a good attachment, then you're going to be able to engage and have healthy communication and use it as a way of connection and all the other ways that sex can be used in like a very consensual way to like build up your relationship. Mm -hmm. So if we could go through like anxious and avoidant and secure and how they, I think you said, how they use sex. Yeah. yeah. So let's start with um, anxious. Anxious. Yeah. So people who have an anxious attachment style, um, I'm sure most of your listeners already kind of know this. How I always think about it is a view of yourself and others. So they view, I'm not good, others are good. So they're always trying to constantly earn that love. So they're more likely to be feel coerced into sex or feel like they have to have sex, um, feel like they are trying to use it to get love and attention. They're also the least likely to feel they have the power to negotiate like condom use and things like that. And then once they're in a relationship, they use sex as a barometer. So the relationship between, like, sexual satisfaction and relationship satisfaction is, like, through the roof for anxious um, people who have that attachment style. So they're just constantly worried, like, 
if we're not having sex, if we're having too much sex, what's the exact number of times I should be having sex with my partner? How many times did they come? Like, all these, like, questions constantly right. running through their head. Because remember, like, they're good, so they're obviously going to leave me, and I'm not good. So i got to, like, do all these things with sex. Um, so they're also likely to have their first time sex be at a younger age, um, have more sexual partners, and engage more risky sexual behaviors. Okay, so just to ask a clarifying question, where would that type of anxious attachment style come from? Maybe in the yeah. realm of um, childhood experiences. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so this is either, like, inconsistent parenting, so either parents are there and then they're not, and so then you're like, I don't know when this is going to come, and so, like, i got to try and get as much attention that I can, even positive or negative. So it could be, um, like, a parent who is struggling with their own mental health and maybe is not as available um, or travels a lot or maybe there's some divorce stuff happening where a parent is, like, no longer in the picture, those type of things. Um, and then it also can be like the helicopter parent that is like all over their child and like tells them to do everything exactly and constantly like really involved. Because um, if you think about it, what lesson that child's learning is I'm not good enough to take care of myself, other people have to take care of me. Mm -hmm. So that would be what like the parent um, relationship would look like. Okay. Um, and then because they do have that, they're trying to constantly earn that, they might be a little bit more needy. They're going to be constantly in relationships, so later on, the relationships that they're in, they're going to get broken up with a lot. They're, all, they're the person who's typically the one broken up with. Oh, got it. Um, and so it kind of reinforces this idea, yeah. I'm not good. And from childhood to adulthood, we seek what's familiar. Yeah. And that's why understanding our mm -hmm. self and our partner's attachment style mm -hmm. is so important, Yeah. especially with the anxious attachment, mm -hmm. because the connotation is needy and clingy. Yeah. I think is like the most commonly used descriptors mm -hmm. for the anxious yeah. attachment. Yeah. But uh, anything else to say about anxious attachment and sex and a little bit about the mindset and what they use it for? Yeah, I guess, I guess just, yeah, they're using it to gain, like, approval and love. And that's how they view sex. And I think it makes it hard. So avoidant and anxious have the lowest sexual satisfaction. So if you're constantly, like trying to guess like how my partner felt during that interaction and you're not worried about your sexual needs and not feeling fulfilled it's obviously going to relate to like lower sexual satisfaction later on totally relatable yeah uh now how does an avoidant attachment style use sex yeah so they are more likely to have actually a later onset of first sexual partner uh, but they're much more comfortable with casual sex and will have multiple partners and will not feel as like it won't be as difficult for them to, like, have sex with someone and then not talk to them again mm. or, like, have the relationship end after that. Whereas someone who is anxious is like, I just did all this to make you love me and now you're breaking up with me and it's just, like, <laughs> chaos. Um, but someone who is more avoidant is like, well, okay, I'm getting my physical needs met. And remember, these folks are people that don't like intimacy or are uncomfortable with intimacy. And so they might be like, this is great, I feel great physically, like, I don't want anything more, <laughs> maybe less cuddle time. That's not research-based. That's just <laughs> something I would think that would happen is, like, less of that, like, probably less foreplay, less, like, cuddling, less things we think about that brings more, like, intimacy mm -hmm. into sex. I hear that person in my mind kind of saying a phrase, maybe like, I like having sex with my partner, but... 
It's not yeah. highest on my priority list. Yeah, yeah, so that's a great point. So they actually, sexual satisfaction and relationship, relationship satisfaction is actually not highly correlated. For an um, avoidant attachment. Yeah, so they could be, like, their relationship could be going along fine, and then, like, their sex life isn't that great, but it wouldn't really impact their relationship. It's mm-hmm. just, like, it's just this other thing there. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, we, yeah, we have sex. It's kind of be... It wouldn't be, like, it's this amazing, like, mind-blowing, like, anything like that. And then, uh, finally, uh, how does a secure attachment style view and use sex? Yeah, so they, so some of the secure attachment is more likely to have long-term committed relationships. So they're going to have lower numbers of sexual partners, because they're probably, there's only so many years in your life, if you're in longer committed relationships, you're not keeping around as much. Um, they have later onset of first sexual partner, um, a lot more open communication, they feel connected with their partner about sex, um, and feel confident about their sex life, um, so yeah, just like a very, what we'd all want in our sex life. They have the highest sexual satisfaction, feel totally comfortable talking to their partner, um, and like they don't really necessarily want to have casual sex, because they just... That doesn't feel comfortable or safe mm-hmm. for them. Too. And where's their correlation on sexual satisfaction and relationship satisfaction? Um, so it's in between the avoided and the anxious. Okay. Because avoidance is like, nah, it doesn't really matter. On a straight um, line or on like a bell curve? <laughs> <laughs> if Maybe. we want to go nerdy. <laughs> I could not tell you. I could make something up, but. <laughs> no, we're going we're gonna to get to the quadrant a little okay. bit later. And okay. I just wanted to kind of like tease <laughs> the science scene because I, yeah. I just absolutely love it. So let's say that like one of these three get into a relationship with another and we, yeah. we were describing it as like the push and the pull in a relationship so let's yeah. pair an anxious and an avoidant together mm-hmm. and how that relates to sex yeah yeah so what do you like with what we just talked about i want to give you a chance to talk because i feel like i've been talking so much. no that's that's <laughs> the reason why so like um the the one thing that's coming to my mind mm-hmm. is that i was an avoidant attachment style mm-hmm. for years mm-hmm. and what i've always encouraged our audience to know yeah. is that there's hope like, yeah. you don't have to stay there. Like, with self-awareness and personal discovery, mm-hmm. you can come closer to having a secure attachment style yeah. with work. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It takes a lot of work. And I think, I, we talked about, last time we talked of how, like, we are experts on this, but when our own attachment stuff is flaring <laughs> up, we can't see it, right? You can study and read as much as you want, but unless you have, like, someone from an outside perspective, when our attachment alarm bells are going mm-hmm. off, like, you're just, you're, you're walking through it blind. Right? Yeah. For me, uh, for me, because I've intentionally done work, I hated being an avoidant attachment. It was almost mm-hmm. like, it was almost like my alignment was off. Everything was shifted to the left, my six feet from center, yeah. you know? And when I am secure, and when I am feeling aligned, any deviation from that center is a is a signal flare for me. Yeah. It's like that's my gut instinct saying, Dave, you're either responding to an anxious or an avoidant attachment style and you're becoming like this. Watch out for X, Y, and Z. Yeah. So I don't want to call it an algorithm, but that's really what happens for me when the gut instinct mm-hmm. kicks in mm-hmm. and I'm like I enjoy spending time with this person, but I'm seeing these three things in me. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think, too, we have to put it in context with our life also. So, again, if we think about it as, like, um, people who are avoidant are like, I'm good, 
other people aren't, so I'm just going to figure it all out on my own. So if also with work, like something comes up that shakes your confidence, like something else in your life shakes your confidence and you're feeling less like safe and you're like, I'm great, you're not, mm-hmm. right? That might pull a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you're just feeling on top of the world, you're really busy, all of that, I can do everything on my own, like it's great, like you might be more pulled to be like in that like, Y'all need to figure out your stuff. I'm doing great over here. <laughs> now, uh, we didn't touch on where the avoidant attachment style comes from in childhood. So, yeah. and now that you bring up, I'm good, y'all need to take care of yourself. Where does yeah. that come from? Yeah, so you learn that your parents are not available. That you need to do what you need to do to get your needs met. Um, and so, with me, like I have a little bit more of the avoidant flavor. And I think a lot of that comes from military culture of just pull yourself up by your bootstraps, figure it all out, um, on your own, get it done, um, just very much that piece of mindset, which if you think about it from, like, survival standpoint, if you are in the military, like, you need to have some of that, um, so yeah, so I think cultural influences, so we also can be nerdy about where you are culturally, so in America, being avoidantly attached is so reinforced. Isn't it, though? Yeah. Like, corporate America, mm-hmm. um, even our our family systems can uh, really yeah. encourage that as well. Yeah. Especially with boy, young boys, it's so much like, well, I don't want them to, like, need this. Like, they need to be able to do this on their own. They need to figure it out on their own. Mm-hmm. Here, a lot of parents worrying, like, I don't want to, um, like, coddle them in a way that's going to later... I'm really like, no, like, you're their parent for sure. a reason. You're supposed to be able to help them. So the parent's job, in my opinion, mm-hmm. is to become the healthiest and most secure version of themselves so that they're not um, creating these anxious and avoidant yeah. attachment styles in their children. But we're human. We're going to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. I have a 17-year-old daughter. I'm starting to see those um, come back and reflect at me yeah. from my avoidant attachment style for 20 years. Yeah. You know, so before we got off on a tangent and you asked me a question and I like to talk. So (laughs) if you give me that chance, I will. Um, We're going to talk about anxious and avoidant Mm -hmm. in a relationship together and their sexual, not compatibility, Mm -hmm. but relationship. Yeah. Yeah. So something else I don't think you've talked about yet. And remind me if you like have an earlier episode, it's like pursue or distancer type. No, let's do it. All right. So this is the other thing that happens a lot with attachment styles. And, like, I'm going to use my hands. So, like, you have someone... If you're not watching this on YouTube, you need to. (laughs) You have someone who's, like, more anxiously attached. Like, when they get upset, they amp up, and they want to talk about it now. They want to figure it out. They, like, want all that. And this avoidant person sees that, and they're like, oh, my gosh, I need to pull away. This person is just amped up. And they pull away, and then the anxious person feels them pulling away, so they amp up even Uh more. Right? So this can happen with sex. So, say, like someone who's feeling anxious, who's in a relationship with someone who's avoided, is maybe feeling more insecure about their relationship. So all of a sudden, they want to have sex all the time. And their partner says no once, and it's just like, oh my gosh, they're no longer in love with me. This means it's the end of their relationship. Kind of thoughts like mm-hmm. this. Or like, is there something wrong with my body? Am I not pleasing them? Like, it's just like, I was just tired. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the correlation mm-hmm. between sexual satisfaction and relationship satisfaction. Mm-hmm. That's like the perfect yeah. picture to paint mm-hmm. for that partnership and that relationship. Yeah. yeah. So then all of a sudden they are like more demanding with like sex and like they like, want to try out new things and like are getting really like building up about this. And someone who's avoidant is like, 
hold on like I like I don't want this pressure I'm feeling like you're needing a lot from me so again they back up more <laughs> so like these two people just start like amplifying their behaviors so you're talking about like this pursuer distancer in like a fluid way so mm -hmm. it might not be their norm behavior yeah. it's really in reaction to something mm -hmm. like you were talking about context mm -hmm. if something happens in the work life of an anxious attached yeah. guess what <laughs> pursue 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 yeah uh -huh. yeah because they just again they're wanting to like reaffirm that um that piece and that's how like avoidance get away with pulling away so much and that's why they are attracted people who are anxious because when they pull away this person comes after them so they're still getting their attachment needs met. They're feeling wanted and needed, and they can pull away as much as they want. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. I have clients talk about this all the time of, like, they want that control, and it feels so much more in control in a relationship when that person likes you more than you like them. I think that's classic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And cla uh, it hit home for me because of that history of an avoidant attachment mm -hmm. style. Um Yes, I swing on the pendulum, or we're going to get to the quadrant here in a second, but um, it's fluid for me. Mm -hmm. Most of the time, I'm in response mm -hmm. of my context and yeah. my, my environment. If I feel an anxious partner, mm -hmm. I will avoid the mm -hmm. pursuer distancer, yeah. but not in the extremes of where I was, yeah. say, like five yeah. years ago. Yeah, well, and I think, too, we touched on a little bit of, like, it's almost like, you know, anything like eating disorder, alcoholism, depression, like anxiety, all of that. It's not like we can work that away and it's gone for forever, right? There's always going to be a piece of you that, like, there's going to be buttons that get pushed that are going to flare up those things. So that's so much you've talked about of, like, just knowing yourself, like, and knowing, like, ah, okay, I'm on that pendulum swing. Mm -hmm. What's going on here? Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm a little bit left or I'm a little bit right of center. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And my direction as the Enneagram 8 is like, oh, I found my goal. I'm going to go straight to it with intensity and yeah. uh, conviction. Yeah. <laughs> and you can either join me or watch me. <laughs> yeah. So uh, let's bring in the secure attachment style mm -hmm. with an anxious person. How does their sex life look? Yeah. Well, I think, like, Whenever you add, like, a secure person in, like, you're going to hope that it actually, like, evens out what's happening in the insecure relationship, and that's a piece of what can help heal some of that attachment wounds, and that's why therapy's good. If you have a secure therapist, you know, um, if you can't find any secure people in your life, which is something that... that Oftentimes, yeah, it's... it's <laughs> yeah. Um, I told you I just got lost. That's all right. So we're talking about secure and anxious <laughs> in a relationship yes. and their sex life. Um, yeah, but as we've talked about, it depends how secure are they. Do they have some anxious tendencies, and are they going to be more easily pulled into that dance with someone who's anxious? And then is someone super anxious where that secure person is now like, ooh, I want to pull back a little bit. Um, and so with sex, it could be, again, like that really wanting reassurance, affirmation, wanting sex often, and then when that secure person is trying to set boundaries, right, they feel that as rejection, mm -hmm. and so then they get even more upset, and they need more and more reassurance, and kind of can get in this, like, vicious cycle. Sure, and then how do we end that cycle? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, like, with open communication, I think talking about it more, um, with couples, it's, I hear all the time, like, it's so vulnerable to initiate sex with a partner, um, and you'd think, like, especially, like, being married, like, for, like, so many years, like, you'd be, like, no problem initiating sex, but it can be so vulnerable. And for people with more of an anxious attachment style, when you say no once, it feels completely shut down. 
So I think talking about, like, you know, I, I really was tired. I still really sexually enjoy you. I want to have sex with you. All those things are really important to make sure that you're constantly communicating about. Um, where it could be unhealthy is that the secure person is, like, feeling overwhelmed and, like, this person is needy and being dramatic and just gets passive-aggressive and stops initiating sex and pulls away, mm-hmm. right? Or the anxious person gets passive-aggressive and tries to use sex in different ways to try to manipulate, like, how they're feeling um, and not telling their partner, like, hey, when you said you didn't want to have sex last night, it felt like this to me. Is that what you, like, were meaning? What's going on? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cla- uh, like, such a great description of those mm-hmm. two uh, partners together. Now, how about secure and, and avoidant? Yeah. What does their sex life look like? Yeah, I think um, it can look very similar again. So if that secure person is, like, way, way secure and they're, like, really firm in that, um, you know, they could really help heal some of that. For an avoidant person, they're engaging in sex um, and being able to use sex as, like, intimacy in a relationship builder instead of just something to get baseline needs met of, Mm -hmm. like, this can be a way of connection and I'm okay connecting with you in that way. It feels safe. Um, and again, the avoidant person could be pulling away more and that secure person could swing into that anxious piece of like, again, needing reassurance, not knowing why they're not having sex as much, um, all of that. Or like, again, that there's so many times I've been asked like, well, what is the ideal number of times you should have sex a week? It's like, there's no magic number, I Mm -hmm. promise. Yeah, because we have many, many, many different combinations Mm -hmm. of personality types, yes, avoiding yeah. attachment styles, but then we were talking about the Enneagram, and we are talking yeah. about Myers-Briggs, yeah. and all of these factors, like, we don't want to overanalyze ourselves, because then we get paralysis by analysis, and that's <laughs> the last... that? Paralysis by analysis. It's a sports term, ah. uh, where, like, uh, just players are overthinking, or the coaches are overthinking. Yeah. Um, overthinking is, like, a common theme for me, because I'm very heady, but... Uh, <laughs> I mean, you came with this whole podcast, so all you're doing is thinking about it, I'm sure. Uh, and for a long time, like, I, I would get frustrated in Denver's dating scene, mm-hmm. um, because I've been actively dating for almost two years now, with a couple of short breaks in there when I needed yeah. it, but I almost thought too much about it, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And I've been asked that many, many times by my men's group, and by a recent person that I dated, mm-hmm. Dave, do you think that you know too much? Yeah. Well, when it comes down to it, I'm simply just learning more about myself, and I'm applying it to the dates that I go yeah. on. Yeah. And until I figured out, or until I read Attached by Amir Levine, I was stuck. Mm-hmm. Like, straight up stuck in, like, yeah. understand or not understanding why my last relationship ended. Yeah. And then I read it, and I'm like, oh, well, duh. <laughs> <laughs> duh, that just, yeah. Because okay. we were not both secure. I was still yeah. avoidant. Yeah. She was anxious. Mm-hmm. Polarity. Like, yeah. we're the pursuer. Um, and I think that's, like, a good thing, too, especially for, like, your listeners here, too, is, like, learning more about yourself, but also, like, practicing being in the moment and trying to not overthink it. It's, like, this huge balance that you want to keep. I'm getting better at that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm only human, so, like... Oh, yeah. All the time. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think what we were talking about, too, like, when you learn more about attachment theory, you see it everywhere. Like, every single interaction, like, person who flips you off driving, mm-hmm. like, in, the, in traffic. So we can apply this to our friendships yeah. as well as our romantic relationships, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. And there's actually, like, 
that's like where like the new emerging research is because it used to be like in the beginning they're like by age six your attachment style is cemented it's never going to change it is what it is your parents messed you up and Mm-hmm. Sucks to suck. I personally don't believe that. Before yeah. we get into the schools of thought, okay. yeah. uh, let's, let's, <laughs> we've been alluding to it this whole time. Yeah. Tell me and describe to me the quadrant, because I loved it and how simple it was to kind of put all of this conversation in perspective so far. Yeah. So, um, like, there's different, like, research out there, right? And most of it, um, the three is actually more kind of like, a baseline, the like anxious, secure, and avoidant, but typically how it's talked about in the research is there's a continuum of anxious and a continuum of avoidant. So you could be like a little bit on the avoidant scale or a little bit on the anxious scale. Um, just because we're humans, we don't break into four categories. Like, yes. <laughs> there's a lot more variance <laughs> in humans. Um, and so if you think like there's an anxious continuum and an avoidant continuum, and so if you're like high, low on both of them, you're secure. So you low anxiety, low avoidance you're secure. Yeah, you come back to the mm-hmm. center of the mm-hmm. quadrant. Well, no, so you're in this little square. This is the secure oh, square okay. that you want to be in. All right. <laughs> this is the goal square. <laughs> uh, and then if you are low on avoidance and high on anxiety, you're going to be in the anxious. And then kind of opposite, if you are low in anxiety and high on avoidance, you're going to be in the avoidant quadrant. And then if you're high on both, right, a lot of times... Either you've experienced trauma growing up or had a lot of relational trauma or just other traumas happen in your life. You not only believe I'm bad, you believe others are not trustworthy. So you're constantly, you're like having this need for connection, but also really terrified of it. So you get this like push-pull mm-hmm. like from these people. So these are people if you felt in your life like they were so excited and ecstatic and they just wanted to be your best friend. And then like a couple weeks later, they just like were totally pushing you away, weren't texting you back. So you're getting mixed signals from mm-hmm. them. Yeah. And when we bring that into a relationship and a sex life, mm-hmm. guess what? <laughs> Trouble. That's, uh, yeah. to correct me if I'm wrong, but is that the connotation of, like, fear of intimacy, uh, commitment phobic? Uh, so that would be more, like, avoidant, mm-hmm. but it would definitely play into the fearful also. Like, it, does it come from the origination of the attachment oh, oh, style? Oh, so the fearful? I don't know where that name comes from. Um, how about, like, in their childhood, like, yeah. To gain avoidant mm-hmm. and an anxious, you talked a little bit about trauma, yeah. and that can be any type of trauma. Yeah. And that's what lands them in that fourth quadrant? Yeah, yeah. So a lot of times there's either like a chaotic home life or like physical, emotional abuse. The worst kind of emotional abuse is actually like just completely absent. Neglect, neglect. right? Neglect, yeah. yeah. So this could be that of like, no one loved me and also I can't depend on others. So you're learning again, I'm not good, others are not good. Um, and like, I think too, just with our, like kind of how we're marrying later and marrying more often, I think there's so much relational trauma that happens that could definitely, especially like right after a divorce or right after a big breakup, you could be a little bit more in that fearful spot of like, I mean, feeling bad about yourself and feeling like the world's not a safe place. Hesitation to do that again. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. that's. Not that's not necessarily where my avoidant attachment mm-hmm. style came from, but it was definitely solidified by my own choices. Mm-hmm. Um, I chose to go even further on that continuum to avoidant from childhood trauma yeah. to a first marriage that wasn't pleasant. We're good friends now, so yeah. um, I would 
enjoy the opportunity to sit down and actually have this conversation about like, hey, this is who I was then. Yeah. This is who I am as your daughter's father right now. You know, and she's a big fan of the podcast, at least on Instagram. I don't know if she listens, but she definitely tunes in on Instagram. So if you're listening, my daughter's mother is a great mom and it's improved with my own improvement too. The further closer to that beginning part of their continuum that I get, everything else in my life improves too. My relationship with my daughter, her mother, and then the new people that I date. Um, here in Denver, which happens to be fairly savage. <laughs> <laughs> well, it just got voted again like the worst place to find love. Or I saw that. Now, yeah. <laughs> um, we were talking about the push and the pull, and there's yes. a polarity between mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so, well, and I think too, like what what you're talking about, like sometimes with like relationships that end and it is terrible, but then like later on you're fine. It's because like you get so ingrained in that pattern, and you're just pushing each other's attachment buttons that it just like gets to a boiling point Mm -hmm. so you're talking about like an initial relationship Mm -hmm. and then maybe you gather some trauma from that initial relationship Mm -hmm. you carry it for a little while maybe you get some help with Mm -hmm. friends family support system or a counselor which is the route that i went eventually (laughs) finally right (laughs) hard to get through that door yeah there's a book out there called maybe you should talk to somebody so good and there's another book that I was given in my early college years. Uh, it's called I Don't Want to Talk About It. Oh. Uh, so I don't remember the author, but it was very impactful for me. Yeah. So yeah. round one of counseling, helped for a little while, mm-hmm. and then relational trauma, and then better counseling now that it's, what, yeah. 15 years later. Yeah. Well, and I think that's like true later. of, like, people, too, that have an avoided attachment style. Like, it's so great when they get into therapy because they're so used. That's their defense mechanism. Like, I got this. I can take care of this. Like, no one else can help me. Like, mm-hmm. I can figure this out on my own. I got mm-hmm. it. But the Enneagram types come into play, too. Like, mm-hmm. my challenger, the eight, that's all I want to do is, yeah. I got this. I can take care of it. Mm-hmm. Trust no one. <laughs> and my li- my lifelong lesson is to understand that being vulnerable will not lead to betrayal. Yeah. Now, how's that paired with an avoidant attachment style? <laughs> and that's where self, yeah. self or self-awareness comes mm-hmm. into play with using these tools yeah yeah well and again we also have to think like there might be specific buttons that are specifically from our past relationships that really push us um so Maybe infidelity is what you're talking about yeah, infidelity um like trust things that might come up boundaries um, in sex boundaries in sex yeah so maybe you know you've had some like sexual trauma and then you have a partner that will not listen to you at all um, and they're maybe more avoided, and they don't understand why you need to talk about these things. Like, mm-hmm. sex is just sex. Um, and that can be completely triggering for you. Sure. Yeah. Now, let's talk about compassion just a little bit. This mm-hmm. actually brought up something in my mind of, like, an anxious attachment style might seek out validation and uh, mm-hmm. um, appreciation or yeah. um, response to sexual health in the relationship or what. Um, and if somebody is avoided or secure, they need to know to kind of feed that instead of push that button, right? Kind of support their partner to what they need. And in a relationship, I think that's why uh, understanding each other through attachment Mm -hmm. style is so important. So that maybe like my avoidant attachment style previously Mm -hmm. would help an anxious attached when they're needing that validation. Yeah, I think, like, definitely, like, you know your partner is more anxious, and, like, with sex, they're feeling really uncomfortable, 
even just like having open communication with an anxious person can be like, I'm feeling kind of insecure in our relationship right now, and I need to hear this from you. Mm-hmm. Like, how great of a conversation would that be if that was to come up? Or if an avoidant person would be like, I'm feeling a little overwhelmed right now, but I want to stick in this with you, but I think I need a little space right now. Like, that look completely different than, like, again, pulling on the brakes. Mm-hmm. Um, and not to mention, like, probably one of the healthiest ways to uh, bring up that conversation that yeah. I've ever heard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and again, especially when it, like, relates to sex, it's like, what are you needing from this right now? Because if you just need orgasm, you can do that by yourself. Right? <laughs> like, there's something else that is sex with, like, two different people that, like, there's connection and feeling wanted and needed and, mm-hmm. like, being satisfied with someone else or being satisfied with someone being satisfied by someone else or being able to satisfy someone else. There's something about that two-people thing, or more than two-people. Right, and that's the conundrum of what we're trying to figure out through, um, thankfully, the podcast, Mm -hmm. but also through our own work, too, individually, and then once we get into a relationship. So I've always had this burning question about the first three months of a relationship, and maybe the sex is really hot and heavy, Mm -hmm. and I do know that anxious and avoidant gravitate to each other, Mm -hmm. and then at the three-month mark, something flips. What changes? Yeah, well, I work with so many clients um, that, like, once they hit three months or whatever it is for them where it feels more intimate to have sex, it all of a sudden just completely shuts down their sex drive, and they no longer want sex. Um, they're feeling really overwhelmed by their partner. They are confused or distressed even why they no longer want to have sex. And they can repeatedly see this happening in every one of their relationships. Um, and then, so, might lead to, like, infidelity or, like, leaving the relationship because mm-hmm. the spark's gone. Yeah, I would, I would guess um, that leaving the relationship would be more of the result. Yeah. And infidelity-why is because, well, they're self-sustaining or at least mm-hmm. they, they believe, I'm good. Yeah. Uh, it's the other people that are untrustworthy. So to seek out maybe that um, person outside of a relationship, mm-hmm. help me work through that just a little bit. Yeah. So, well, we can do it from both both sides. Yeah. Um, so for someone who is avoidant, who all of a sudden their sex drive is gone, they're like, there's probably something wrong with this. But they're being too needy. They have opened up emotionally to me too much, and I'm just not feeling connected. Like, that's why. Like, they might... Mm-hmm. So then it's like, I want that spark. I just want to be able to focus on my needs and have sex with someone mm-hmm. instead of having it be this emotional connection, which feels really uncomfortable for me because, mm-hmm. you know, I don't trust others. So, like, it'd be, like, like easy to just go and, like, have sex with someone else. You have that spark. You're able to just focus on your needs and... And you can walk away at any time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, you know, you have that comfortable person to come back to who always needs and wants you, so your attachment needs are being met. Got it. And on the anxious yeah. side? Yeah, so all of a sudden, yeah. Yeah, all of a sudden your partner who you were hot and heavy for the first three months no longer wants to have sex with you. If you're an anxious person, yeah, that's, that's like okay. <laughs> that is like you are now in a tailspin of like what's wrong with me? What am I doing wrong? Do I need to buy different lingerie? Do I need to buy different toys? Do I need to do we need to do something different? Um like like what is going on in our relationship that they no longer love me? those kind of things. So it'd be like, they're feeling like their needs aren't getting met and they're feeling like anxious and all of a sudden someone else shows them attention. It's like, oh, this is what I've been missing. And uh, really briefly in the the quadrant plus the continuum, Mm -hmm. I hear what you're saying of like, they shift in response Mm -hmm. 
to their partner's behavior yeah. in the bedroom. Yeah. And then they can move in the quadrant too. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Along that continuum. Yeah. So it can be even like they're still in the anxious category, but it just looks completely different. They go further away mm-hmm. from like the, the, the pendulum swing. <laughs> oh my gosh, like this like both go. <laughs> yeah. I, I in your in your story I can even just track through my life of the avoidant yeah. half of the pendulum swing just being mm-hmm. so far away from secure. Yeah. And that's why I was mm-hmm. dealing with anxiety and depression my whole yeah. life in my relationships. Mm-hmm. In my personal life, of course, there's reasons to experience anxiety and depression, too. Yeah. Which can be exasperated by a relationship. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's what, like, too, like, what makes couples therapy great, because a lot of times some people don't want to come in for individual, but they're like, okay, I'll do couples. Because they're strongly encouraged to do so by their partner. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Usually, typically, the partner that's more anxious gets the avoided to tag along. Um, <laughs> uh, or the avoided who's like had it with their anxious partner needing so much is like, let's go talk to someone else. Um, <laughs> but like research shows that like couples therapy actually lowers depression and anxiety and PTSD. And even if you don't even touch that with a couple, if you don't even touch any of the mental health stuff, like just the relationship building, mm. like can help lower all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Solid. So let's wrap it up okay. with... Um, a little bit of... <clears throat> we got so off track. That's quite all right. Uh, let's talk more about that fearful quadrant. Yeah. Like, um, high on the anxious and mm-hmm. high on the avoidant continuum. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how do we adjust and experience that in a positive way mm-hmm. uh, with, with our partner sexually and in, in a relationship, too? Yeah, yeah. So this is, like, an important, especially, like, for couples therapists to know or just for, like, you to know, too. Because you could be thinking and even, like, adjusting, okay, my partner's a little bit more distancing. And when I need attention, I need to ask for it in this way. Like, you learn how to, like, move around it. But all of a sudden, they flip scripts on you. <laughs> and so, like, the pursuer distancer it could be, like, oh, this person's pursuing. And then all of a sudden, it, like, flips and the uh-huh. other person's pursuing. Uh-huh. You can get really confused. Especially if you've, like, okay, I'm figuring out this person. I know how to interact. Act, I know how to ask for my needs, and then it will switch around. Um, and again, like this person has been told that the world is not safe and that I cannot consistently count on others. And like people have rejected me a lot, so I have I don't feel good about myself. So if I don't feel good and they don't feel good, uh-huh. um, then a lot of times it is like this like flipping of the switch. So it could be that like they maybe are using sex to get a lot of attention and like feeling really like needed and sexy and good about themselves and then their like button gets switched and they're like, Oh my gosh, I am feeling comfortable with this person, like what does that mean? Like what's gonna happen? When's their shoe gonna drop? And so then all of a sudden they're like pushing away, they don't wanna have sex. Like you could get that back and forth. And leaving that partner who we don't know where else they are in the quadrant, just feeling completely confused about what's happening. Yeah, so I think that's the piece is like that partner just is like left completely confused mm-hmm. about what that means, what their partner actually wants, um, and that other person is just on a like roller coaster of their own too. Yeah. And we'll we'll kind of wrap this up here in a second with another quick question that's come to mind. But before we do, what's the best way for the our audience to get a hold of you if your message resonates with them today? Yeah, so you can go to centersharedinsight.com and go ahead and give us a call. Um, as you said, all three of us at this practice, Dr. Hick, Dr. Blake, and I, all do this all day long. We love talking about it. I go home and talk to my friends about it. It's just 
all the time. Uh, so you can call and schedule an appointment to meet with one of us if you're thinking you want to start like being more aware of that pendulum swing that's going on for you um, to keep you more more centered. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if there's one thing that we didn't get to or that we touched on briefly that you want to expand on, what would that be? I think we didn't really go into like how also just cultural context can influence sex for us. Um, and if people feel shame around sex, if they feel um, like masculine, feminine, there's a lot of roles that come into that. And there's a lot of times, again, like men have this, like with like traditional masculinity that they're this performance constantly. And so if they are more avoidant and they're feeling shaky about their performance, they're gonna push away. And if they're anxious and they're feeling insecure about their performance, they're gonna amp up. Um, and then women with anxious and avoidant attachment styles, women with more avoidant attachment styles, might use sex more of like getting my needs met, distancing, I don't want to be intimate, um, I look great, you're fine, like whatever, let's just have sex. Um, someone who's anxious might have a lot more like body image issues and maybe there is some shame around it or, yeah, again, so just also not only knowing your attachment but just how different things in your life have impacted you. What are your views on sex? Was it talked about growing up? Was it not talked about? Was there like a shaming incident? Like we have so much baggage around sex too that influences it. And what I want, thank you so very much for that. Uh, what I want our audience to understand is that there's hope. Yes. That I am proof of understanding where it comes from, what it is, and what to do about it. Yeah, yeah, I think, and especially even if they're listening to this, like, they're they're doing the work, like... So it know, could be a first step. Yeah, 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 exactly, and, you know, we are going to have plenty of relationship opportunities where we're going to learn a lot, and maybe not the best relationship opportunity, but we have room to learn, and we're always, if we think about who we were, like, ten years ago in our sex lives, it probably looks a lot different than where we are now, and... People in their like sixties also report some of the highest sexual satisfaction. So good. Looking up. All Good. right. Later years. Are you trying to say I'm creeping up on 60? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I'm just saying that like in the, as you get older too, you get more confidence in being able to have these type of conversations and that's going to increase sexual satisfaction. So. There's all, definitely hope. You don't want to wait till you're 60 though to have good sex. I know. I'm 39. <laughs> <laughs> you got, got a ways away. <laughs> and I just came out of my midlife crisis. Good. <laughs> So you're right on track for great sex. Totally. I know that I'm great, but like, can you seriously back up? <laughs> so my avoidant attachment style, now that we're talking about it, is like, social media comes into play in our lives mm -hmm. all the time, right? Yeah. When when Center for Shared Insight connects with me on, mm -hmm. on social media, that's a positive way of the, of the tool mm -hmm. being used. Like, we're bouncing and we're pinging back mm -hmm. and forth. But... I, I met this girl in person. I'm going to do a little self-disclosure. I hope that's all right with you guys. I think they like it. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> I met this girl. Uh, she was coordinating a workout at Red Rocks or something mm -hmm. like that. And I took a friend of mine, a female friend of mine, who's in the personal training world. Mm -hmm. And we were building a relationship and we were having a lot of fun around workouts together. Mm -hmm. So we went to this Red Rocks workout together. Met the host one time. And then stayed connected on Instagram and Facebook from then on out. And I get the invite to a birthday party, reach out and say, thank you so much for the invite to your birthday party. Just FYI, where's it going to be? Oh, at this location? I don't drink much, but I, I still know how to have a good time. 
and then nothing. I didn't even, I didn't get, I didn't get the details of like time and day, right? <laughs> was this really an invite? Or? It was, it was kind of an invite, you know, <laughs> and I gave my number so that she could reach me because I'm not on social media on Friday through Sunday, so it was going to be a Friday night, and I'm like, oh, I don't, didn't hear from you, and that's fine, you know, I was single at the time, <clears throat> didn't have anything invested, and then a few weeks go by, this is where my avoidant attachment style is like, buttons pushed, right? few weeks go by and I get this random Facebook message in my inbox and it says, hey Dave, I just want to let you know that I was interested in dating you and then when you told me that you weren't drinking, um, that's actually a really big deal to me that I can have drinks with my partner. Um, so Which is I'm, also not what you said. but Definitely not, right? <laughs> um, and we can track that because it's Facebook Messenger <laughs> saves everything, right? And, and it came down to like... Um, so I just didn't want to, you know, send you any mixed signals about dating. Mm -hmm. And I, I was like, I don't know what just happened here. Mm -hmm. were, were we dating? And then my avoidant attachment style kicks in, and I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, <laughs> Way to be presumptive there. I'm good. <laughs> we're going to take a step back here. You know, and I, I clearly explained it. I'm like, oh. I'm sorry if I said you mixed signals yeah. in the last nine months or whatever. Yeah. I haven't seen you since the beginning of the year. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, I, I, I don't know where that message came from. I apologize. It was also, don't you always wonder, like, what's happening in that person's life that made them send that message at that moment? So, you're the helper on the Enneagram, right? Yes. And uh, we didn't touch on the helper, a little bit on the, uh, the challenger, but one of the tendencies of the helper is to perceive the needs of another person. Mm -hmm. And you may think at some point, oh, I really feel the need to share this with another person, mm -hmm. verbally, text message, email, or something like that, yeah. to kind of, kind of handle it for yourself. Take it off of your plate or your conscience or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And that's why I love the Enneagram so much. It's yeah. like, I'm not assuming that she's a two or the helper, mm -hmm. but that could be where that comes yeah. from in a personality tendency. Yeah, yeah. But there had been something that, like, sparked it. Like, you had to, like, post something on Instagram, or, like, she got up the courage, or she's talking to a girlfriend, like, I really should let him down softly. <laughs> and this is, uh, this is a big reason why boundaries are so important mm -hmm. for me, is, like, yeah. you know what? We're going to have a more reasonable boundary with you mm -hmm. from here on out. Maybe I, yeah. maybe I won't like as much of your stuff on social media so that I'm not paying attention to you yeah. and, and giving you mixed signals at all. Yeah. Okay, what was my behavior in this situation? <laughs> and now that I'm straight up avoiding attachments. Yeah. <laughs> but I hear that so often, too, with people of, like, um, like, I feel like there's so many memes of this, too, of, like, you, like, they don't text you back, and then they watch your Instagram story. Oh, the Orbiter? Yeah. yeah. Is that what that's, that's called? That's what it's called, yeah. I love that. I, 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 I've yeah. seen Orbiters... Or, like, they'll message um, yeah. you on Instagram, but then they never text you. Or, like, there's just, like, weird yeah. things that end up happening with... So that's a really funny point, actually. I've recognized that in the last 18 months or so of my text message thread inbox is less active than my Instagram inbox because <laughs> that's where my audience is for building yeah. my businesses, yeah. right? And that's where I'm engaging with people regularly because I'm not dating multiple people at the same time. Mm -hmm. So, therefore, my inbox isn't filling up, like, yeah. say, like a serial dater would, yeah. or uh, somebody who's very active on apps, they're going to have a lot of messages, yeah. and I think maybe the apps have a lot to do with that Instagram interaction as well, is because 
I mean, it's loosely categorized that the dating apps are social media mm-hmm. by our phones. Yeah. And then, well, it's a, it's kind of an attachment to our cell phone as well to go from a dating app. Oh, well, let me check my Instagram mm-hmm. right away. Yeah. And my audience was interacting with me on Instagram and not my text message thread. So. Yeah. I totally, I totally yeah. picked up on that too. I feel like that is something new that like people aren't asking for your number; they're asking for your Instagram handle. I'm just right. like. Okay. Hey, I'm totally transparent on Instagram. Um, like, I'm happy to give that out because there are four things that I talk about on Instagram, my personal page, but it's still used for business. My dog, my daughter, um, fitness and nutrition, and jujitsu. Yeah. I mean, like, there's really nothing <laughs> super personal there. I haven't posted a, gr- a picture of me with a significant other in yeah. two years. What do you think would happen with all of your, like, followers and <laughs> things like that? If you were to post a picture with you and a girl, they would blow up. <laughs> I think I think I have a... I think that my community is full of avoidant attachment style um, <laughs> because, like, it's crickets if I were to do that. Oh, really? Um, however, the community that... I'm just making a joke here, guys. Don't take that too personally because <laughs> um, I love you all so much. Um, our community is so supportive of what's going on personally. Like, mm-hmm. they, they support the podcast professionally, and they're just like, yeah. share, 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 and it's getting a lot of traction, and I love that. But when I needed to reach out to that community today, mm-hmm. I briefly explained to you why earlier, their support to me, and I yeah. haven't met these people in person. Yeah. Like, because we use social media in a healthful, appropriate way, mm-hmm. we have boundaries with these people, and they're like, Dave, what do you need? I'm here for you. Just, I'm giving you a virtual hug right now. Yeah. You know? Aww. Yeah. It makes it, again, I think that, like, social media and internet can get really demonized, but if we're using it in a perfect way to build connection, mm-hmm. like, that's what my, so my thesis was on social media use. And it's like, people who are anxious use it to get all the likes. Attention, sure. Right? And people who are avoidant just, like, kind of, like, passively look through the internet. Sure. And they might not even post that frequently either. Yeah, they won't like, they won't post, they're just watching other people's lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and then people who are secure use it to build up in-person relationships. I uh, totally get that. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. So what do you say in the next six to 12 months we invite you back and we have that social media conversation Yeah. from a perspective of attachment or just a perspective of 2019, soon to be 2020. I mean, Shh, don't say that. I know, it's freaking <laughs> me out too. <laughs> too soon. It's weird to think that 2000 was 20 years ago. Right. Now you just know. blew my mind. Right. <laughs> now we're all sad. It's okay. <laughs> we're getting closer to 60. It's fine. Just remember, better sex on the horizon. Oh, God. Thank you so very much. I really appreciate your yeah. time. This was fantastic. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Welcome to the Believe, Be Real, Be Bold podcast for authentic dating. My name is Dave Glazer, online personal trainer and obsessed with the Enneagram personality assessment. After going through a couple of breakups in 2017, I came across some really inauthentic people when dating in Denver. And instead of getting frustrated, I decided to create a community of authentic people myself. Come along with me on this path to authenticity as we welcome expert guests and real-life daters to share their tools, tips, and knowledge to help you show up as your most authentic self.